Lake Avenue Church, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for this privilege to declare God's word to each and every one of you this weekend. I bring you greetings from the Coachella Valley and the Southwest Church. On behalf of all of us here who call this place home, we bid you a hearty yes and amen and a thank you, Lake Avenue family, for what you've been for the gospel of Jesus Christ for a hundred years. We appreciate what you've always stood for in the way of scripture and the belief in Jesus and the hope of the gospel. And surely we are so thankful for how you've stood for the gospel in this unpredictable moment that we've all weathered this storm through in the last year and a half or so. Shout out to my friend and dear brother for some 20 years or so now in the person of Pastor Jeff Madisage, your bride, Jenny, and all of the team who makes that place what it is. We love you. We're always celebrating you and thinking fondly of you. I want to go to Jeremiah chapter 18, uh, verses 1 through 4 today. And my hope today is that whoever's watching right now will just be encouraged, would just feel the hope of Christ, would feel renewed and feel like there's a new start for you, regardless of what you may have been through here in your life as we go to Jeremiah chapter 18 with that episode of The Potter's House. I am mindful of um, a Japanese art form called kintsugi. Um, It's a Japanese word, of course, that essentially means this, um, uh, golden repair, Uh, golden repair. Uh, Japanese artists hundreds of years ago figured out how to reclaim uh, broken artifacts and pottery. So what would happen is that when you had an an ordinary pot that would break, uh, what they would do was get this this golden repair, uh, joinery, if you will. They would get a lacquer that was made of some bonding agents, but also specks of gold. And the whole idea is that they would create this lacquer, this bonding agent, and, and they would put the pottery back together again in such a way that now the brokenness became a part of the beauty of the art. Uh, the brokenness became a part of the beauty of the art. And as we go to Jeremiah chapter 18, I think this is God's big idea for you and me today, that, that we come to Christ with brokenness in our lives. But there is something about the hope of the gospel. There's something about the power of the blood of Jesus that makes brokenness a part of the beauty of our redemptive stories. And it's my prayer uh, that this golden repair, this golden joinery of the gospel of Jesus Christ will bless you and yours and your life today. Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. Uh, Hear now the word of the Lord. Jeremiah writes the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I, this is Jeremiah talking, went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to do. Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. I've read from the greatest book ever written, and I bear witness this day that all of its words are true. Amen? Amen. Uh, Then 
out of the ashes, something beautiful arose in its place. Then out of the ashes, something beautiful arose in its place. On the 4th of August, 2020, uh, there in the city of Beirut, Lebanon, a large and massive explosion occurred. Uh, Historians are now agreed uh, that what was a a massive and huge and underground storage of something called ammonium nitrate uh, to the tune of five and a half million pounds suddenly exploded that literally erupted, rocking the city and rocking a world that was already reeling from the COVID-19 pandemic to its very core. And of course, there we watched uh, video after video of the ensuing carnage. And of course, we lamented the loss of some 204 lives, some 6,500 injuries, and some 300,000 homes lost forever. Uh, The Beirut explosion uh, now is widely considered to be the most powerful non-nuclear explosion in human history. But then out of the ashes, something beautiful arose in its place. Uh, There in the city, uh, history now tells us that everyone rushed in to help. This city, Beirut, that was already reeling from a 50% poverty rate and high crime, everyone just rushed in to help. France and other European nations jumped in to help. The Red Cross and other rescue organizations jumped in to help. These states united and other Western countries jumped in to help. But there's a lesser known story of a young sculptor by the name of Hayat Nazir who jumped in to help as well. She had been a part of the relief efforts there with all of these other organizations. And whereas these other organizations were doing the work to remedy the ills of Beirut's recent past, it was Hayat Nazir who wanted to spark hope for her country's soon-to-be future. Uh, She decided that she would uh, create this artistic figurine right in the middle of ground zero where the explosion occurred to spark hope that even out of the ashes, something beautiful can emerge in its place. Uh, History tells us she goes from house to house and she rummages yard after yard and she's picking up broken glass and pieces of discarded materials and twisted metals. And again, she takes all of these pieces of otherwise discarded items and she erects this beautiful figurine celebrating that there can be hope for the future, even in this most unpredictable and terrible explosion out of the ashes. Something beautiful emerged in its place. She took some broken things and she put them back together again. Folks, as we come to Jeremiah chapter 18, essentially that is Jeremiah's idea. We find the children of Israel here are broken. They are broken by their sin. They are broken by their past. They are broken by their shame. But like a great sculptor, there's another artist by the name of Jehovah who arises on the scene and says that I can do something to spark hope for your future. I can take the brokenness of your lives and add my grace to it because the good news of the gospel today, Lake Avenue, is that even out of the ashes of the brokenness of our lives, something beautiful can arise in its place. 
I want to walk through the good news of how God can take broken people and through faith in Jesus Christ, hallelujah to the Lamb of God, he can make you whole again. I want to walk through this famous passage, passage, and so doing, I want to lift up these three distinctives. Here we go, table of contents for our time together. Uh, The text laments that there is brokenness here, but secondly, it celebrates that nothing is too broken for God. And thirdly, the passage challenges us to give to God our brokenness. I'd like to tag this text from broken to whole. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to preach your word. And I pray, Lord God, that we would tune our ears and adhere our hearts to what thus saith the Lord. Holy Spirit, we submit ourselves to you and we give you free reign, dear God, through the power of your word to preach to us what we need to hear, to teach us those things that we need to do and to encourage us, Lord God, where only you can. Father, bless many through this message for we ask it in Jesus' name and every heart said together, amen. Let's go ahead and get to work, Lake Avenue Church, to mine this text for gospel treasure. I think when you come to Jeremiah chapter 18, uh, the, the big idea that's being suggested before we get to the big hope is this understanding, hear it, that there is brokenness here. There is brokenness here. Jeremiah chapter 18, absolute famous passage where one scholar says what was a personal experience from Jeremiah uh, grows into a parable and becomes prophecy. Uh, What was a personal experience for Jeremiah, it it grows into a parable and becomes a prophecy. When you hear Jeremiah chapter 18, that is essentially what you need to hear. Of course, it's that famous episode where God sends his prophet Jeremiah down to the potter's house. The potter is there in this beautiful scene of antiquity working at his wheel on this clay piece of pottery. It is broken in his hands. It is marred in his hands. But as opposed to discarding the brokenness of the clay, the potter, of course, reworks it in his hands and makes something beautiful instead. And of course, this is a picture of what God's heart for his Old Testament Israelite people was. And for you and I, it's a New Testament picture of what Jesus Christ wants to do with us when we put our trust and faith in him. We are, if you will, the clay in the hands of God. And we come to God broken and marred and distraught. But the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ hallelujah, is that God does not discard us. He turns his face towards us and he gives us his grace where even broken and marred in his hands, we can be made whole again. It teaches us that we are the clay and God is the potter. But listen, Lake Avenue, stay with me in the classroom for a few minutes. I promise we're going to church. You truly can't appreciate Uh, what's going on at the potter's house until you understand fully what is going on in God's house, which is the people of Israel in this passage. We have, of course, as our protagonist, the prophet Jeremiah. Scholarship, we refer to him as the weeping prophet because he prophesied to the southern kingdom here in Israel at a time of great 
upheaval. He wrote to the, the Israelites at a time when there was great debauchery and sinfulness and lawlessness and wickedness. Sin had run amok now for centuries and running, and God had always called his people to be holy and to be separate from the world and to live in such a way so as to make his name famous. But century after century, they have fallen short, and now we are somewhere between sin and judgment. Pretty soon, consequences are on their way. A foreign territory is going to come and literally waylay the southern kingdom, taking the people away from the promised land to foreign captivity for the total of some 70 years. That's kind of what's going on in their passage. But the question that we've got to ask is not just what's going on with the socio-political backdrop. Let's deal with the emotional backdrop of the people as well. And the emotional backdrop is this. There is brokenness here. There is brokenness here. There is, hear it now, Lake Avenue, there is pain here. There is despair here. There is hopelessness here. There is a people who are about to give up here. There is great and insurmountable shame and sorrow here. There are tears here. There is stress and strain here. There is trauma here, but we can't just talk about what was going on back then. We've got to do due diligence to talk about what's going on now because you are real people dealing with real situations in a real time with real lives. And my point is this, Lake Avenue, there's not just brokenness in our passage. There's brokenness in us as well. If we are here, we may as well be honest to say the truth of the matter is, is that there's not just brokenness in the Old Testament. There is brokenness in me. There's not just pain there. There is pain here. There's not just mistakes in a past there. There are often mistakes in past that we deal with in our lives. Now, for Israel, it was political chaos. It was societal upheaval, it was wickedness, and it was debauchery, it was mistakes, it was falling short, it was being about to give up. But for you today, brokenness, brokenness may be depression. As you consider all of the rapid changes we've been through in the last year and a half, for you, brokenness may be the patience you are having to stir up as you wait in the unemployment line. Brokenness may be the despair you feel that God has entrusted you to raise a child with special needs. For you, brokenness is the wound that your absent father or absent mother left you. For you, brokenness may be this diagnosis that the doctor just delivered your way and you've got to figure out how you're going to weather this storm. For you, brokenness may be the pressures on a job. It may be the pressures of not having a job. For you, brokenness may be the estrangement you are experiencing in a relationship. For you, brokenness may be the reality of dealing with what was already a faltering marriage is now facing a pandemic and you are inching your way towards divorce. Brokenness is in us as well. But I came to stop by Lake Avenue in Pasadena to say, Hold on, son and daughter of God, because I believe that the same hope that was on its way for the people of Jeremiah chapter 18 is the hope that is on its way for you and me as well. And I come to just be that country preacher to say, hold on for God's unchanging hand. Do not give up 
Do not lose hope because if you give up and stop in the brokenness, brokenness will be the story. And don't allow that brokenness to define you. God is a good God. God is a loving God. God is a rescuing God. And regardless of what brokenness is going on in your life today, I'm here to tell you he's a sculptor that knows how to spark hope in your story. If we stop in the brokenness, Brokenness will be the story. This page you're on in the book of your life is not the last page. This chapter that you've turned to this year is not the last chapter. And this moment will not be your last moment. Ricky, uh, just kind of round it down to one statement I can take home. I'm glad you asked. Here it is. What is happening today in your life doesn't define your tomorrow. Just because you may have failed that does not make you a failure. Just because you may have messed up today, that does not make you a mess. Just because you've lost something today, that does not make you a loser. After all, many times in our lives, bitter moments can be followed by a sweet season. I love love Hershey bars. Uh, Can I get a s'mores and only Hershey's chocolate will do witness uh, out there? What you may be surprised to know is that Hershey's chocolate is a a sweet product of bitter failure. Uh, History tells us that Milton Hershey was a young apprentice. He finishes up around the 1870s, and in Philadelphia, 1876, he launches his new candy business that immediately fails. He picks himself up from his bootstraps, he stirs up his strength, and he tries again in New York City a few years later, and he fails again even more miserably. He is now downhearted. He is now ashamed. He is now distraught. He is now preparing to give up, but he had a few friends who were faithful enough to tell him, Hershey, don't give up in the brokenness because if you give up in the brokenness, brokenness will be your story. And so he musters up his hope and strength and all of his know-how and wisdom, and he tries again over in Europe, and all of a sudden, Hershey's chocolate becomes a worldwide phenomenon. The company grows insatiably. He becomes successful, the likes of which we had never before seen. 1,500 employees literally adopts an entire town as his own, becomes one of the most generous men in American business history, all because he refused to give up in that chapter of brokenness. Can I drop a word to spark hope in the light of the gospel today? After the rain comes a rainbow. After the war comes peace. After the night comes morning, Lake Avenue. Just hold on until the after comes. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. Jenkins, why in the world should I not give up? Why in the world should I not lose hope? Why in the world should I not throw in the towel? Why in the world should I not listen to this voice that's just getting louder in my head that's saying, give up on God because I'm broken? I think you shouldn't give up, friend, today because the text also teaches us, hear it, that nothing is too broken for God. Nothing is too broken for God. Verse 4, celebrate with me. As the potter is working at the wheel, verse 4 says, and the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. The Bible says, and he reworked it into another vessel 
as it seemed good to the potter to do. Now, I need to nerd out for just a couple of seconds, but I promise I'm coming back to church here shortly. But the Old Testament is written in a language called Hebrew. And the best way I know how to make something that's complex simple to you is to essentially say that verse 4 is written in a subjunctival kind of expression. It, it is subjunctive. And when we translate the Hebrew woodenly, what the writer here is saying is that Whenever a pot would break, uh, the potter would rework it uh, in, his, in his hand. Let me say it again. The, the wooden translation is this. Whenever a pot would break, he would rework it in his hand. What's the lesson? Apparently, what Jeremiah is suggesting is that this potter, working with this clay, seemed to embrace the reality that sometimes clay messes up. Sometimes clay gets marred. Sometimes clay doesn't do what clay is supposed to do. Sometimes there are infirmities from the outside that disrupt the purity on the inside. And the good news of the gospel is that whenever the pot would break, the, the, the potter would embrace that brokenness and choose to stay in the fight. Who am I talking to today and, and rework that situation? What good news of the gospel. Now, whenever the pot would break, whenever the clay would be marred, he would rework it in his hands. Notice then how the potter responds to the brokenness of the clay. And of course, the potter here is God. So there's two things we learn about the nature of God and seasons of our brokenness. Look at this on screen. The first thing we learn is this. God doesn't throw the broken thing away. The Bible says it was spoiled. In the Hebrew, that's the idea of being wiped out. The idea is worthless, not good for any good use. But the potter never throws it away. What's the lesson for you and me? When we fail, God never gives up on us. When we mess up, when we sin, when we fall short, God never turns his back on us. Rather, he turns his face towards us. God, when we fail, doesn't move on to so-called bigger and better people. He, he stays with us. He sticks with us, and he works with us. There's something about God that knows, first of all, has the grace to work with frag, uh, fragmented scraps of our lives and has the know-how of what to do it and what to do with it. Uh, how many of you remember the, the, the 1980s phenomenal hit? And blockbuster hit back to the future. Of course, the story is about Marty McFly, and there's Doc Brown who invents this time machine, this DeLorean that is fueled by plutonium, right? They go back in time and they go through all of these shenanigans. And of course, they emerge victorious. You've got the end of the movie, Marty McFly. Now the, the story is, is, is a win. He's going to sail into the distance there with his girlfriend. And out of nowhere, the DeLorean appears and it's Doc Brown who's come back from the future. And he says, guys, guys, we got to go to the future and we've got to help your kids. But Marty looks at Doc and says, but Doc, we're out of plutonium. We can't go back. And he says, no, 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 no. We don't, we don't need that anymore. And Doc Brown rushes to the DeLorean and he pulls up the hood and it reveals something called a Mr. Fusion 
machine. And then Doc Brown goes into a garbage can and he gets out banana peels and he gets out some kind of drink in a can and he gets out some old eggs out of an egg carton and he stuffs it down the Mr. Fusion machine. They power up the DeLorean and then they're able to get to the future. God told me to tell you that he is heaven's Mr. Fusion machine. Hallelujah. He knows how to take the trash of your past and the trash and the brokenness of your life and he puts together in his machine called the empty tomb. Hallelujah. And that, no, and God knows how to use the trash of your past to get you to his glorious future that he has for you when you put your trust and faith to Jesus Christ. The first thing we learn is that God doesn't throw the broken thing away. But secondly, we see that he has the power then to rework it. The Bible says he reworked it. It's the Hebrew word sha'as. The idea is manufacturing out of otherwise ruined parts is to sha'as, is to take what is broken and to have the power and the wherewithal and the know-how to turn something broken into something that is workable. Again, the word first appears back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. Adam and Eve have sinned against God. Here they are broken and distraught. They are naked and ashamed. They deserve death, hell, and the grave. But God doesn't turn his back on them. He turns his face towards them. The Bible says that he slays an animal and he gets the skins. And the Bible says with the skins, he shaasts them. Thank you, Jesus. He covers them. He reworks something that was broken and he makes them brand new again. Who am I talking to today? If you're in sin today, God knows how to shaash you. If you are broken today, God has the power to shaash you regardless of what happened with your marriage and with that wayward child or with that uh, career. God knows how to take the broken pieces of your life and he's got... He's got power to turn that situation around. God doesn't throw brokenness away. Nothing is too broken for God. Let's close on this. See, I did that there's brokenness here. It's a celebration that nothing is too broken for God. Thirdly and finally, I think there's a challenge here in Jeremiah 18 as well. And the challenge sounds like this. Give God your brokenness. Give God. God, your brokenness. Get this on screen with me, Lake Avenue. Put the broken clay of your life into the hands of the potter, Jesus Christ. Put the broken clay of your life into the hands of the potter, Jesus Christ. The idea is this, um, unless the clay is put into the right hands, it will remain broken. And how many of us are guilty of putting our lives into the wrong hands? We put it into the wrong hands of a substance that we abuse. We put it into the wrong hands of a relationship that doesn't honor God. We put it into the wrong hands of a, a religious path that does not celebrate the empty tomb. We put it into the wrong hands of hoping that money will cure all the ailments of our soul. We put it into the wrong hands of thinking that a career or a vocation will fully satisfy the inner longings of my soul. I've come to tell you that only Jesus satisfies so put the broken clay of your life into the hands of the potter, Jesus Christ. Because as you see this metaphor, the potter working at the wheel with this clay, the whole idea is this. It's the idea that God is the one 
who shapes, and we are the ones who submit. That's the deal today, Lake Avenue, to embrace this reality that you are created in fashion and God's image and the only way your life is going to tick and the only way your heart will find its rest is insofar as you find your life tethered to the life of Jesus Christ. God is the one who shapes. We are the ones who submit. I've got three kids, Camden, Grand, and Andy, a six-year-old boy, a seven-year-old boy now, four-year-old boy, and a two-year-old girl who is perfect in all her ways. Uh, my children um, call themselves um, uh, artists because they love playing with Play-Doh, okay? Uh, you go to my house right now, there's a very good chance that you will step into some neon green Play-Doh all over my house, pink and, and browns and purples and reds and yellows. They love Play-Doh, and they love getting with their Play-Doh, and now you've got all these little templates and these machines. They make spaghetti Play-Doh, and then they make a building of Play-Doh, and then they make lions and tigers and bears, and you say, oh, my, Play-Doh. They love Play-Doh, and I love it because they'll work so hard, and then they'll come and say, Mom, Dad, check it out. It is my master Peace. They love making this Play-Doh. Uh, but it's interesting, in all my years of watching them uh, do their Play-Doh and make their masterpieces, I've noticed in their, their formation of this art, I've noticed not one time did they ask the Play-Doh what the Play-Doh wanted to be. Not one time did they, did they get the Play-Doh's input as to what the Play-Doh thought them as the artist should do with the clay. My children seem to inherently understand that they are the artists, and therefore they knew what was best for their Play-Doh. And as we come back to Jeremiah chapter 18, one last time, I can't help but with my imagination notice that not one time does this clay talk. Not one time does this clay interrupt. Not one time does this clay push back into what it's being made to. It seemed to understand this clay that it came to the potter broken. And that last time, apparently, that it tried to work out its own life, it broke down. And it seemed like what was best for this clay was to submit to whatever this potter wanted to do. Who am I talking to today? God said, let me be the potter this time. And this time you be the clay. Because every time you take the proverbial driving wheel away from me and put me into the back seat, your life heads towards an accident the likes of which you did not desire. But God says, would you let me be the potter? Would you let me be the one who shapes and you be the one who submits? Would you let me be the one who does the driving and and why don't you just ride along with me and trust that what I want to do and how I want to do it will be the absolute best and safest and most fulfilling and joyous path for you. God is the one who shapes. We are the one who submits. And my challenge to you, Lake Avenue, is this. What brokenness do you need to give to God today? 
Some of you need to give God the brokenness of your heart. The same way sin ran amok with the Israelites, it's running amok with you. But you've heard the good news that as long as there's breath in your body, there's grace for your soul and you want to repent today and let God shape you while you submit to him. For some of you, you need to give God the brokenness of your fears. This pandemic and all of its implications have shrouded your soul for too long and you can no longer withstand the pressure and the pain and the trepidation. And you've heard the good news that the potter has no fear. And if your life is in his life, you have no reason to fear as well. Some of you need to give God the brokenness of your life. Marriage is broken. Parenting is broken. A relationship is broken. But you've heard that whenever the pot would break, you would embrace it. Some of you are saying, Ricky, I've made this prayer 11 times, 15 times. I've run out of my second chances, but you forgot to read the passage. Whenever a pot would break, whenever the clay would break, translation is there's breath in your body, there's grace for your soul today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are the potter. We are the clay. And Holy Spirit, we invite you now into our brokenness. For some, Lord God, it's a brokenness of life. It's a brokenness of fear. It's a brokenness of the pain. It's a brokenness of the pressure. It's a brokenness, Lord God, of the reality of what we're going through in our life right now. And Lord Jesus, still, there are some who have a brokenness of heart, God, who have turned and put their life in the wrong hands, and they have heard this gospel today and say, Lord God, I want to put my brokenness in the right hands. So, Father, I pray this prayer. Forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of our falling short, and wash us and cleanse us. And we thank you for Jesus, who has died on the cross for our sins, and he has been risen again. And God, even though we come to him as ashes, something beautiful can arise in his place as we put our trust and faith in Jesus. So we invite you into our life, into our situations, into the brokenness. And we ask, God, that you would make brokenness a part of the beauty of our story once again as we put our faith in the resurrected Savior. Jesus is his name. We pray it all in his name. Amen. Lake Avenue, God bless you. And until we meet again, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and to be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon each and every one of you and bring you peace. We pray this blessing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.